Hey everybody, Tom Salemi here. Welcome back to the Device Talks Weekly Podcast. Thanks for joining us. Uh, in the words of Mark Twain, or, or or the altered words of Mark Twain, forgive me for the long podcast. I didn't have time to put together a short one. Uh, we've been trying to track the SVB story, um, and my hope was to sort of weave different points of view into one coherent narrative, but the story keeps changing, the narrative keeps changing. So what I did was I talked to uh, folks who I think represent the affected uh the affected groups in medtech. Uh, we'll talk with Brian Lord. He's the CEO of Pristine Surgical. He was on the podcast uh, just a few weeks ago, but uh, he had written a, he wrote a great piece on uh, LinkedIn. The ten things he did as a startup CEO to uh, to manage his exposure or his company's exposure to the SVB meltdown. Then uh, we bring back our old friend Paul Grant, CEO of Medtech Innovator. He's uh, giving us a uh, an investor perspective. I talked to some VCs privately. But uh, Paul's great in uh, in sharing his opinions uh, on the podcast, and it's always great to have him back. And finally, uh, Joe Mullings will be on as well. Again, he was on recently, uh, but I spoke with him briefly about uh, the SVB fallout, about what this means, uh, about who's at fault. Uh, this is an unusual situation. Fault may be too strong a word, but... Uh, in many uh, past situations, the boogeyman for medtech has uh, always been an exterior force. Uh, the, the FDA reimbursement point to what you want, Wall Street investors. Uh, this one was not necessarily medtech induced, but uh, you could say you could point fingers at some of the venture capital world who uh, who perhaps unnecessarily uh, made a run in the bank. Uh, as we'll get into in the podcast, there's a lot of nuance to that statement. Uh, folks don't, you know, want to be the last uh, the last person standing when the music stops. They want to have a chair. So it's human nature, but it's an unfortunate outcome. Uh, as I'm recording this, I just read that SVB is filing for Chapter 11. So once again, the story continues to unfold. So uh, we put together this podcast. I think it gives a good representation of what's going on, uh, how folks are impacted, and maybe where we're headed. Um, you know. It's certainly uncertain. That's the only thing that we're certain of. Uh, but SVB was a force in uh, in the innovation sector, and uh, as we geeked out in the podcast, it was uh, it was really the wall that was uh, to our our to our world. And uh, seeing it uh, crumble as it has is uh, is really shocking, and we'll continue to feel it for some time to come. But we do get through the other side. Things will happen. Good things will happen as a result of this. Uh, companies will be created. Uh, relationships will be formed. Uh, new careers will be started. So uh, it's easy to uh, to get despondent, but uh, it's important to focus on a bigger picture for yourself and uh, and for the industry. So uh, we will get through this, but uh, we can't get through it. I think I think we get through it faster, quicker if we are honest about where we are today. So once again, we've got uh, Brian Lord of Pristine Surgical, Paul Grant of MedTech Innovator, Joe Mullings of the Mullings Group. I'll weave them in. We'll we'll uh, kick off with the interview I did with Brian Lord. I actually talked to him on Monday. I talked to Joe on uh, on Wednesday, and I talked to Paul Grant on Thursday. Uh, and I think it's important to share those days because again, the story just keeps evolving. So. Uh, uh, there may be some inconsistencies with the conversations, but I don't think so. I think the theme is pretty common. Before we get into the podcast, uh, once again, we'll be getting together at Device Talks Boston. Uh, the attendance numbers are great. Registration numbers are great. Thank you to everyone who's uh, who stepped up. It's going to be a fantastic couple of days. Uh, I'm solidifying the agenda, and the only reason it's not solid yet is because uh, more people uh, want to participate and share their stories. So uh, I'm trying to accommodate as many people as we can. 
And uh, I want you to be there. So please go to devicetalks.com to register for Device Talks Boston. It's happening May 10th and 11th at the Boston Convention and Exhibition Center. So uh, don't miss out. It's going to be informative. And I think it's important for us to, uh, for us all to, to get together and to, uh, and to connect and learn and move forward. So again, Device Talks Boston, May 10th and 11th. Also, we'll be rolling out our, our new podcast season shortly, including a new season of Intuitive, a new season of Medtronic, a new season of Striker, and uh, our two new uh, our two new series, uh, Boston Scientific Talks, we'll be rolling out this month, March 29th, and Abbott Talks, proud to say, is joining the uh, Device Talks podcast family. And uh, that'll be out in a couple of months, probably June. So uh, lots going on here. Without any further delay, I'm going to start this podcast. And once again, uh, it, we're not going to start with the newsmakers. We'll start with my interview with Brian Lord. And uh, and then we'll get into the uh, newsmakers with Paul Grand. And then the interview with uh, Joe Mullings. And then we'll finish up with Paul Grand again. So thanks for listening, everybody. All right, you ready for this? Ready. Brian Lord, welcome back to the podcast. Tom, I didn't expect to be talking to you so soon. It's been good for you. <laughs> yeah, well, these are strange times, right? And before I pushed record, we were talking a bit about how quickly the news sort of unfolded and you were you were traveling from one location to the next when things went the way they went. But I, I want to back up just for a moment and just sort of, uh, I'm not a CEO, I've never run a startup. I didn't actually quite understand the impact until someone explained to me that, you know, the companies would not be able to access the funds that they raised. And that was a big issue facing. So explain to me exactly how did SVB play into Pristine Surgical's, and play into Pristine Surgical? Were they the sole holder of your money? Did you raise venture debt from them? What was your relationship like with, with SVB? Yeah, when we were founded, uh, we had a relationship with kind of a regional bank that just frankly wasn't very savvy with the ways of tech companies, wasn't very nimble with, you know, some of just the day-to-day mechanics. And, you know, Silicon Valley Bank certainly has built a franchise around catering to and and serving as their target market tech companies like us, uh, venture funds that fund us, you know, lenders and the like, and have really been, you know, facilitator of the whole ecosystem. So. You know, for us to move our business over to Silicon Valley Bank, just like, you know, whatever the statistics have said, 60 or 70 percent of sort of the venture backed, it's an extraordinary franchise. But of course, you know, in hindsight, extraordinary concentration as well for us to be able to move over, you know, into that platform. Frankly, they did a phenomenal job of serving, you know, the target customer base like ours that we, we talked about. Nimble, full service, ability to work on a, a web-based interface that makes, you know, travel schedules and the, the ability to keep things moving far more convenient. So for us, it made sense to move over to more of a full-service shop, you know, and I think you probably think in doing so that if you're moving from sort of a regional bank into some, you know, a larger platform that's the, whatever the reports are, the 16th largest in the country, you probably actually buy a bit of you know, stability as right. well to the extent that that even crosses your mind, right? You know, in hindsight, certainly we'll be unraveling some of the, you know, macroeconomic and policy, you know, issues around regulation and the like that 
smarter people than me will have a lot to say about. But for the period of time as a customer of the bank, you know, they did a phenomenal job serving. So to answer your question, yeah, we were not a borrower of the bank. We have a lending relationship with another institution who was phenomenal uh, through the course of all of all of this. But you know, it's our primary was our primary account, and so the cash that you know our operating cash uh, was concentrated really in that bank. And when you're a startup company, you know you don't have the cash management sort of institutions that large Fortune 500 you know right. have, but they got little departments moving that around and optimizing balance. At the end of the day, it's certainly for what was it 97 percent of the depositors you know for Silicon Valley Bank and us included you know at more than what the FDIC you know insured amount is, but you know, that's something that should be expected for uh, companies with the type of, you know, expense space they operate also on a monthly basis as well. Yeah. And, and looking back, I mean, I think you could see the concentration, like you said, being like, perhaps that's something that we all should have picked up on is maybe not the soundest approach. But looking at what sort of unfolded with Silicon Valley Bank, I, I, I'm not a finance guy, obviously, but from what I've read and have been told, I don't really, I haven't seen any huge red flags that they were bad loans involved or they were loaded up on crypto or, or you know, anything too crazy. I mean, did, looking back now, do you see anything that, that you said, gee, I really wish I had kind of picked up on that? Well, you'd have to have read and be a bank to read, you know, deep into their 10Ks and 10Qs. And there are a lot of smart people that get paid to do that every day and, you know, track that as a publicly traded stock. That's the kind of things they're watching. You know, they filed an 8K that gave an announcement of their need to shore up their balance sheet with an equity offering. And, you know, that flagged some challenges that market sort of picked up on very quickly. But, you know, in amongst everything else that was going on, I also, you know, as we chatted not too long ago, as it turns out, as a first-time CEO, I was sort of discussing my newness to the med tech space, or at least relative newness to the med tech space. In this particular instance, having been a former corporate lawyer and having an MBA, it actually came in pretty useful trying to figure out what the heck was going on. I think the short answer is Silicon Valley Bank did, I think, on its face, a wise thing by parking its excess capital in long-term treasuries that had fixed uh, interest rates associated with them. You would look on, on their face and say, well, you know, what more sound... Yeah. <laughs> instrument could you put your investments in than 10-year you know, U.S. treasuries? Certainly not you know, Lehman mortgage-backed securities that were volatile and packaged and stripped up and repackaged and all, all of that kind of stuff to juice returns. This was actually on its face a very sound investment instruments that their excess capital was, was placed in. What they didn't apparently adjust for was interest rate risk. And so as interest rates rise, they were forced to pay larger and larger sums to their depositors as the Fed interest rates climbed. And of course, it's climbed at spectacular rates. And they're turned around and receiving fixed rates on their own deposits or their own, their own reserves. And that spread became increasingly expensive. And so what you would expect in those types of instances is that they would have participated in certain hedging strategies which would have offset the interest rate risk that they were associated with or exposed to. But apparently that wasn't done. And that was the, to say the least, the Achilles heel and more that they were exposed to. And ultimately, you know, at least from my vantage point of this current state, you know, state of affairs, you know, was the unraveling of the, uh, uh, of the bank. So look, stay tuned and there'll be, be much more cogent, you know, analyses that come in the days ahead. But that's, you know, as things are breaking, my best take on what happened. That is not the kind of thing, right, that you would 
be able to, as a customer of the bank, be able to diligence and discern about the presence or not of their hedging against interest rate, you know, a long-term interest rate or, or short-term changes in interest rates as, as it were, uh, and what their exposure would be for that. Absolutely. So let's focus on your response. I loved your post on LinkedIn, you know, one CEO's playbook for SVP depositors. And it's got a list of I think, 10 steps, which are always good. It's always good to get it up to 10. And they're all really good steps. <laughs> but before we get into the, I, I, I sort of want to understand what happened before item one. Like, when did you realize that we need to, I, I as CEO, I need to act here. What was the news? What was the gut feeling you had? What was the moment you realized that, that there's a giant wave heading my way and we need to get to, to something that floats? Thursday night. It was about maybe eight o'clock or so, I guess, East Coast. No, it was about eight, eight o'clock uh, Pacific time. We were at Las Vegas at the Academy of Orthopedics uh, mm-hmm. conference. And as, as mentioned, got back to my hotel, doing a little bit of, uh, you know, surfing and catching up on the news is what was going on. And, uh, you know, it hit me between the eyes when I saw Silicon Valley Bank stock had dropped uh, 60% in a single day. Uh, then you watch and you sort of see some of the chatter and, you know, dig in a little bit deeper into some, you know, into Twitter and whatever else. And you see the talking heads certainly not sitting still. And so I sent out a note to the board that evening, said, hey, I want to flag this. We're getting our team together first thing in the morning. Got my CFO on the West Coast and my controller on the East Coast and our lender on the East Coast. And we're going to put together, uh, as well as our uh, legal counsel on the East Coast, we're going to put together a working group and figure out our strategy to that. Gosh, we probably had our game plan figured out by 9, 9.30 in the morning. And, you know, by that time, you know, the run was on. So it was fast moving. You know, I don't know, as again, some of the chatter has been that, you know, whether there, there were sort of select conversations happening with certain groups and portfolio companies of certain funds and the like on, on Thursday. But this was not, you know, a slow burning fire, right? This was a flash fire that really started, and it seems, Thursday morning, flashed, you know, with a 60% drop by Thursday night. And by Friday, you know, the run was on. So it happened quickly. You, we, we talked about this before, and I think I just already said it. You're a first-time CEO, really hadn't led a company before. How did you devise this plan? Did it sort of just unfold step-by-step, step, or did you did you sit down? And maybe we could go through some high points of it. Did you sit down on a piece of paper and write down, we're here and we need to get there? I, how, how do you react to this sort of crisis? Well, I guess for starters, I would say, you know, it's fortunate this isn't my first financial (laughs) challenge that I've been a part of, right? Not CEO's fault, but but as an advisor and managing transactions that always has hiccups coming down. So I guess a a sort of financial crisis under pressure wasn't uh, for me first time. So that that was sort of, I guess, helpful. Um, But to answer your question, look, we got a couple of very financially savvy board members. You've got the team that I talked about and our lender. I think the most important thing that you can do is just get on the horn and start talking to folks and try to figure out what the circumstances are, talk, understand. I had a couple of shareholders, we got a, a, a large and dispersed shareholder base, a couple of shareholders who was very helpful. So the sort of good news of being the kind of CEO I am, everybody in the, the company, including every shareholder, has got my cell phone number and has got my email address. That means that I get in, inbound stuff every, every so often. And in this particular case, it was not very helpful inbound stuff. So, you know, I had a sort of network out that was feeding information and helping, you know, an understanding of what was breaking. And, you know, look, at the end of the day, it wasn't that complicated either. You try to get into the wire queue 
and try to get some or all of your money, you know, queued up and, and move out as you kind of get in a sense for what's transpiring. I think, you know, look, I think appropriately, some teeth are going to be gnashed about some of the things that were going on and it sort of in the collectives in, in sort of these private circles beforehand and whether it was really necessary to, to sort of make the kind of macro move on the bank um, that, that, that sort of happened when large swaths of money sort of, you know, lurch and move out. For us, you know, it's a no-brainer. We're a small rounding error in the grand scheme of the billions of dollars of banking. And so we did our best to see if we couldn't get our at least some of our money moved to another place. It was pretty clear what was happening. You know, the site was gummed up and, and uh, things weren't moving. So, you know, we devised that plan kind of on the fly. I think there's an obvious question, and I talked with a few of my colleagues about, you know, do you keep your head low or do you share? And, you know, it was unanimous. Look, we've got, we feel like we're ahead of the curve in terms of what's going on. We've got a lot of colleagues out there that probably have the benefit of perhaps being a sales or marketing oriented uh, CFO or CEO, as we talked <laughs> about, right? That may not have been through some of these situations. And so we just felt like as we were starting to get a game plan put together, that it was an obvious thing to do to share that with folks. And there's no way you can kind of know it's frankly even accuracy, but as you you know, discussed it, sort of just said, look, this is one guy's plan and how, how we're going to take it for what it's worth. And as you know, the spirit on LinkedIn is kind of of that same, you know, of that same attitude. So mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I, I got some, uh, you know, some attaboys for that. And, and that was, that was fine. More importantly, I think we we're all trying to figure it out together. Absolutely. So I, I do encourage people to follow you uh, on LinkedIn. One through seven, I think are great but they're pretty step-by-step and I think uh, people should definitely check it out. But I want to jump to number eight. I really like the way you put it. Lean on your friends and be observant. The true nature of those relationships reveal themselves in a crisis. Reciprocate richly when this too passes. Where did that come from? Did you reach out to folks who were generous and, and very supportive and those who were not? I'm just kind of curious what led to that that writing because it's a, it's a really interesting point. Well, there wasn't any sort of underhanded thing that was meant by that. It actually was... I mean, and I don't read it that way. Scenes. I don't mean to say that you were digging at someone. That, that's not that's well, my question. No, I totally understand. Yeah. I totally understand the question, and and you know, it, it it wasn't in our circumstance a compare and contrast. I you know just put a post up, and and you know, I think that's what prompted the outreach, and said we were able to get all of our money out, and wish the same for everybody else, and just expressed a lot of pride in how we rallied. So when you know, you're in the in, in the possible. There's one of two ways you can go, right? That you can all turn on each other, or you can rally and you know move forward. The things that we do as CEOs and the things that I have cared about through building Christine, the re- rewards for some of those efforts of making sure that we communicate with folks, make sure that we've got a collaborative board environment, make sure that we're we know each other and have established a level of trust with each other are are rewarded in those instances. And I was just thinking as I was writing that it wasn't a, a dig at anybody in my circumstance, but I could only imagine how others of my colleagues who perhaps are in the middle of a, you know, board fracas or whatever else might have might have broken out, you know, in the, in the days or weeks, you know, heading up to it, trying to close the financing and not getting, you know, sort of fighting over final terms, whatever else. And then this curveball hits and, um, you know, you can see, uh, potential for opportunism to rear its ugly head, right? And I think that it's important to remind people that there's a cost for that opportunism. And I think we as CEOs need to 
remind people that we're supposed to have long memories for those sorts of things. And our job is to build an enterprise of coordinated people through a common mission. And, you know, I just don't have a lot of patience for folks that, you know, are, are not ready to get on board. You know, the enemy is, is out there, right? The enemy is in the marketplace. It's about the old technologies that we're trying to replace with new technologies. And um, opportunism does not have a place when you're trying to do something, you know, disruptive and new. It's hard enough the way it, the way it is. And so I think we need to call people, be willing to call people to the task um, for that. And these are times where you don't do it in the moment, but you put those markers down and you let people know that that's an important part of an enterprise's success. Do you have any thoughts or opinions of the folks who, who on Thursday drew their money out completely from SVB and, and participated in, in that? At that effort, that run on the bank, and if you don't, that's fine. Again, I'm not looking for negativity, but I did talk with a VC who got a message, you know, tell all your company to do this, and he was he was conflicted, and he said, I don't want to be part of that problem, but I also want to serve my my companies well. How do you view that whole transaction? And if you don't want to talk about it, that's fine too. So I guess for somebody that posts from time to time on LinkedIn, it's okay to admit that there are also some posts that got deleted before I hit. Um, <laughs> before I hit the post button. <laughs> That's usually a good practice. We'll, we'll leave that one there. It's in the, in the draft. If, if there is such a thing, it's in the draft, uh, the, the draft for the recycle bin. It's there for a reason because I wanted to give some thought to it rather yep. than, than say it in the, in, the, in the emotion of the moment. But look, I guess take the micro sort of commentary about what I just said and then translate that into a macro sense. And you can probably get a sense for where my where my head is on that. It's not cool uh, to be an opportunist when it's unnecessary, and it's not cool to shout, you know, fire in a crowded movie theater. And you know, there's a lot of extenuating circumstances, which is why it's hard for me to be really critical. But in the moment, uh, that yeah, look, I, I don't know that this needed to happen. Um, no. And you know, there'll, there'll be more time to untangle this in the. Um, you know, the weeks ahead. I, I, I will say that, you know, lost in all this is 8,000 employees who lost their job over the course of this last 72 hours as well, who in addition to all of us who are trying to figure out how we're going to make payroll, they're also trying to figure out where their career is going to go, where their mortgage payments are going to be made. And, you know, a lot of the collateral damage lies there too. And my heart goes out to all of those folks, talented, uh, hardworking, dedicated people who, um, you know, we haven't probably said enough about either. And those folks, um, you know, got trampled just like everybody else in the rush for the exits. Yeah. Yep. And final question. You mentioned up top that the reason you moved over to Silicon Valley Bank was because of their ability to to really serve startups well. And another VC I talked to really is worried that the money is being restored and that's great. That's vital and important. But Silicon Valley Bank, particularly as a venture lender, which I know you didn't have their, you didn't have them as a lender. But also as a as a service provider, really catered to the startups and, and kind of forced other banks to to raise their game a bit and do the same. That sort of innovative driver is gone for now, at least. I'm sure one will come and rise and fill its take its place eventually. But how do you feel about that? Do you feel like the innovate the startup world, tech and medtech has really lost a champion? It's going to take a while to to get that kind of positive force back. Yeah, without a doubt. Yeah. Now. I don't know how to prognosticate what the future will hold. I think if somebody's smart and enterprising there, they'll recapitalize that franchise and look to a certain extent, even the brand 
and continue to deliver those needed services. The reason that the bank failed was not because there wasn't demand for the services and the, you know, frankly, large, large niche that they carved out and dominated. There are lots of banks that wanted to be in the position um, that they were. If my analysis from a few minutes ago is correct, it failed because of risk management and execution. Those are two very, very different reasons for, for failure. Mm-hmm. So if you, you know, shore that up, the market says we want a catalyst like the Silicon Valley Bank to serve customers like ours. And, you know, there were some VCs that I thought did a laudable job as, you know, things were, were unfolding, saying a similar thing, saying, look, you know, we stand by the role that this bank has played and we want to continue to be, you know, customers and depositors of either this bank that's saved or, or bought or of a future, you know, replacement of that. And I, you know, stand up and say absolutely as well for, for what small part we play in that, in that uh, discussion. So, yeah, look, if there's a hole left, it'll be a giant loss for the industry. A lot of people, you know, and rightfully so, right, sort of roll their eyes at, at sort of squishy words like catalyst and, you know, other things like that. But we will see the loss of a catalyst and see what that is like if this uh, hole isn't filled with another, you know, sort of tailored, enterprising, innovation-centric, you know, financial player uh, in this space. And one more bit, you know, and as, as my thoughts sort of roll around, that notion, I think, of the, the VCs stepping up and sort of talking about that, I, I want to just reiterate, the VCs, I, I think, have a critical role to play in helping stand up this, whatever this replacement is. You know, I didn't know this, but I learned it. The FDIC apparently is funded by Wall Street. It's not funded by uh, the taxpayer. Oh. If you take a similar analogy here, an SVB or an SVB-like entity should be supported fully by the financial services industry that supports our innovation infrastructure. And it's one thing to just be a customer and a depositor, but I think, you know, and I would hope that some of the captains of finance in our particular venture market get together and talk about how they can be, you know, a catalyst to replace this catalyst, if you don't uh, mind the turn of phrase. So Mm -hmm. we'll see. But I think this is an opportunity for people to step up and build back better, as it were, and we'll see how that plays out. I sure hope that's the, that's the way this goes. Absolutely. And I'll, I'll end it on, on item 10, which was lead. We live in extraordinary times. You'll tell your grandkids about what's going on right now, how you managed, and you'll be proud. So I think that's a, a good way to look at this experience, something that I guess we'll all remember and grow from. Thanks. It's always a pleasure to chat with you, and thanks for reaching out. It's fun to share some of these thoughts. It is extraordinary times, and we'll see it continue to play out. So thanks for being a catalyst for us all. Thanks for joining us, Brian. All right, it's great to hear from Ryan Lord. Before we uh, begin, the new Marcus Newsmakers want to let you know that Device Talks Tuesday is happening Tuesday at 4 p.m. Very happy to have Acuity MD as part of Device Talks Tuesdays, and this is going to be a great story for uh, commercial stage and pre-commercial uh, startups. Uh, Acuity MD has a platform that allows you to identify your customers, to have data info intelligence about your customers and in this presentation on tuesday you're going to hear how acuity md helped a a a startup a pre-commercial company grow to a size that got it acquired so it's a it's a positive story it's a hopeful story and it's one you should certainly check out go to devicetalks.com register for our upcoming device talks tuesdays all of them are free 
They're all available to watch live or on demand. You can ask questions. You get PowerPoints. Lots of great data for you. Lots of great uh, knowledge and uh, the ability to expand your skill set, to build your brand, and uh, and to just know more and medtech better. So go to devicetalks.com to check out our upcoming selection of Device Talks Tuesdays, including this uh, great one coming up, sponsored by Acuity MD. Chris Newmarker, how is it going over there in that foxhole? Are you uh, keeping your head down? Yep, I'm trying to. I'm mean, like, uh, like this. Uh, we're, we're talking on Thursday afternoon, and I've uh, got some electricians downstairs finally getting rid of our 1980s era track lighting. So why? It'll be back in style in just a few more years. You're gonna be regretting this. That that stuff will never go back in style. <laughs> That's what we said about leggings. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> well, we've got uh, our our man in the booth, uh, Paul Grant of MedTech Innovator, back. Paul, how are you? Paul. Uh, I am uh, doing well. Great to be back here in the booth as always, uh, and uh, I miss it here. I feel like uh, I feel like it's been a little while. It's been like a month or two. I don't know how that went by so fast, but uh, but it's great to be back. It's been quite a week, and uh, Paul, I do have to say, I was worried that when you popped on here, I mean, people can't see you, but I was worried that um, you're going to have like totally white hair like coming on here after the past week. So I'm glad to see you st- you retained your hair color, you know, after uh, you know the week we've been through. Yeah, well, there's definitely a lot of gray, and there may be some less hair. Maybe I may have I may have pulled some out over the weekend for sure. That was a long. I went on. I went on a whole bunch of walks with my wife this weekend, talking about this whole thing. Um, uh, and by the time we were done walking, she came home and said, "Hey, uh, I think we should move some money around between our various bank accounts." <laughs> uh, uh, you know, uh, but it was, it, you know, it was incredibly, incredibly um, stressful. It was, it was stressful from, uh, you know, I mean, mentally from the very beginning. My, my thinking was always that there would be some kind of security for the deposits. Um, that was what I, it was unthinkable. The opposite was unthinkable. So um, I, I spent the whole weekend and even Thursday and Friday when I was talking with people thinking there's going to be some kind of security for the deposits. There's no way the banking industry can allow um, this to happen. Uh, not just, not just, you know, Silicon Valley bank, but just the broader, you know, implication. So I, I was totally. fairly confident that there would be some kind of, uh, you know, we'd wake up Monday morning with some good news. Um, but it's the, you know, obviously it's the, you know, it's the ripple effects. Maybe, maybe a better term would be uh, it's the aftershocks yeah. um, that, you know, that, that concern me the most of what this is going to do to, you know, to an industry and to, you know, not just med tech, but in general um, where, where it's hard to raise funding and, you know, and anything that, that makes that less, less confident for people uh, is not a good thing. So. Well, it's, it's let's just end the suspense. The number one, the new markers, newsmakers is going to be Silicon Valley Bank. So yeah, we totally. might just we might just hit it at the top, Paul. So you and I talked last Friday, and we and I we thought about getting you in the podcast, like just kind of speaking to it. But we were both, I think, rightly stunned and didn't really know what could be said. But you would you would share that yeah you received an email from someone. Uh, and a lot of these texts went around, you know, warning you that, you know, you might want to get your money out or at least advise your companies about what's going on. And you were sort of faced with, do you contribute to the problem, which I think was a largely a VC sort of induced hysteria. Um, 
Maybe it was a good old cause, fashioned bank run, but it was definitely it's a wonderful life. Or you you had the yeah. you you opted, I think, instead for well, I don't want to be part of the problem. I want to sort of stick with the uh, the partners that we've we've built this innovation economy uh, uh, with. What can you talk? Take us back a bit to just those first moments of when trouble started to brew and, and what unfolded for you. Sure. So, uh, as, as you said, I was really hesitant to, you know, talk too much about this, um, publicly on Friday when there was just so, you know, so little to say other than, um, you know, other than inciting panic. Yeah. Um, and, and I felt like everything I would say would be twisted potentially, uh, by somebody to say, Oh, that's a great reason to pull our money or that's a great reason to, um, to not, you know, close this round or whatever else. And Paul Grant said so. So, you know, I always, I always worry about that. No matter what I say, there's always some, you know, someone can always put something, you know, take something out of context. So I was a little bit hesitant to talk about it on Friday, but I was talking with a lot of our companies, as you might imagine, talking, uh, talking with people from Silicon Valley Bank, talking with all sorts of people about this. And, uh, and so the reality is that, when I look at, you, you know, those first moments, as you said, what was going on, there were a lot of people, you know, rightly uh, looking at what was happening with Silicon Valley Bank and saying, hey, should we be pulling our money out? Some people are saying you got to get all get every single med tech innovator company on the line and tell them to pull their money out. Um, that's what other people are doing. You know, yeah. uh, you know, people are like, hey, I'm reading the message boards and, you know, in various places and they're saying everyone's pulling their money. And um, and I think the reality is from a, you know, from a, um, you know, a protective, a protective stance, you have to make sure there's a self-preservation thing where you want to make sure you can cover your payroll and not mm-hmm. just for next week, but for a while. Um, and so I think the prudent thing when, you know, you don't want to be the last man standing, right? That's the, I think that's the general philosophy yeah. that drove the bank run is, uh, you know, yeah, principles are one thing, but who wants to be the last man standing? So yeah. um, when they, you know, when they turn the music off, you don't want to be the one without the chair. Right, um, right. So I did not advocate that all the med tech innovator companies pull their money out of Silicon Valley Bank. That was not my position. But I absolutely told people they should be protective of payroll and make sure they're able to cover things. Because as I said, I I, I did not think there was any scenario in which people would not be able to access their funding. Um, but I was a little bit worried about for how long, you yeah. know, would it be, would it be two weeks, three weeks? So, you know, you have to just basically make sure you have protection for your payroll for some period of time. Um, but the reality is, you know, there could have been a scenario in which I was completely wrong and they said, Hey, you're good for 50% of your money. Um, and, and people were going, okay, that's, $3 million or $5 million that I don't have anymore. And what do I do now? Right. So, um, so that's the biggest, for me, the big thing is, you know, I, I want to be part of the solution and I'm not part of the problem. I don't like inciting panic. I don't like, um, so because it's a, it is a self-fulfilling prophecy. That's what I kept telling people. Yep. If we tell everybody to pull their money, then there's no question the bank is going to collapse. And, you know, and that's, that's absolutely what, what caused this. So, you know, there's other, there's the other things in the background that, that, you know, were brewing that led to it in the first place. But I'm saying that the, the immediate collapse was people trying to pull $40 billion out in one day. Um, that doesn't go so well. I remember a quote 
I remember a quote from that that weekend. I mean, it was it was really uncertain. And I mean, there was there was even like a like a one report that I read where you know they they actually just you know somebody had said something to the effect of like if if the deposits aren't backed up entirely, like this could wipe out an entire generation of startups, you know, including you know startups in 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 our space in the medical device space. So I mean, it was the fear that is very you know something that I think everybody needs to be aware of is that. Um, we've had we've been in a challenging environment for fundraising for a while, and a lot of investors we've seen this before, right? We you mentioned it um, after the last financial crisis, all of the brand name med tech venture funds left the early stage space. They were mm-hmm. gone, you know, they're gone, all of them, and you know, and not that the funding completely dried up, but all of the big venture funds got out of it because their LPs told them they had to. Or they weren't going to have capital calls honored, and you know, and people listen to their limited partners. So, um, so ultimately, you know, we lost a lot of very, very smart people who were investing in the med tech space, and they were replaced by people who had good hearts and wanted to support early stage medical innovation, angels, and all these other people. Um, uh, you know, private equity, family offices, blah blah blah. Um, but who had very little experience in medical technology, and were now advising startups. Um, or tech investors and people who just don't know how to bring medical products to the market. So, you know, we've seen this before. And um, and now in recent years, we've had a resurgence of med tech venture funds again, um, which I've been really excited about early stage funds and mid stage and later stage. And I want to see more of them, not less of them. And, uh, you know, I believe, you know, you've been doing a great series on the resilience of the med tech sector. <laughs> You know, are reset? Are we recession proof? And of course, nobody's recession proof, but we're certainly better than most. You know, you're gonna. You know, unfortunately, um, you know, we're all pretty certain that um, our health is the most important thing. And and I think that you know, if anyone's been sick, they feel that way, or if they have a loved one who yeah. is. So uh, this industry isn't going away, um, but the funding can be pulled. It's very easy for people to go, oh, too much riskier. Let's go somewhere else. And and I think what this represents for me is that that big existential existential threat that um, that, oh, maybe the funding will just dry up for, you know, for everybody in tech and not just med tech and people will go elsewhere for a while. That's the scary thing. And and so then people just have to be prepared for how do we weather that storm? And um, and I don't believe this is over. I don't believe the fact that the deposits were guaranteed means that, okay, we can all just go back to business as usual. I think people have to be very proactive about about their planning and be Mm -hmm. prudent and, you know, capital efficient and all the things that people need to be. And um, I'm not advocating at all for mass layoffs. Um, That that would be terrible. Um, I'm just saying that people need to be realistic and and, you know, and understand that not just diversifying in different banks, but they need to be planning for a future where they may need to do, you know, uh, the same with less. Um, And, you know, and and, or immediately be and a lot of them are a lot of our our companies are stepping up their fundraising efforts, um, whether it's from internal funding rounds um, from their existing funds who are very supportive and are doubling down on them, um, or whether it's accelerating rounds that they were planning on doing later, maybe they're stepping up those efforts because if they were close to closing somebody and those people are still excited, there's a lot of dry powder out there. Um, there's a lot of people raised a lot of money 
at venture funds in the last several years, and they need to deploy that capital. So, um, so I think that's that is what I hope is that people who are exciting before are going to close rounds, and you know, and people who are are smart are going to be you know increasing that that velocity towards their next round. Well, I definitely want to explore sort of the the aftershock, like you said earlier, because I think we we saw our SVB go down. And for me, it was kind of like the wall in Game of Thrones. Like once it goes down, you're like, oh, my God, <laughs> like, what do we do now? So I want to explore the what do we do now? Hopefully there are no white walkers that we have to deal with. Uh, but let's start rolling out the, the new Marcus Newsmakers, Chris, and we'll come back to this uh, at the end when we actually will hit upon number one, which is this very topic. We'll go through this really quick, and then we'll get back to, to SVB. Um, you know, number uh, number five on the list, we've got uh, Perkin Elmer divested its applied food and enterprise services businesses, and they're they're now going to be, you know, focused as a high growth life sciences and diagnostics business. Um, new name, brand, ticker signal, symbol. That's all to come. You know, in in the second quarter of this year. Uh, but um, you know, we're we're going to see them really. Uh, you know, focused, just really laser focused on that life sciences and diagnostics uh, business. Um, I give this a, a super good news rating. I think this is great. Yeah. Right? I think I think this, that's great. News. I think it's focused. I think it's great to be focused on life sciences that can only mean good things for folks in our industry. Paul? Oh, I agree completely. Um, we have our Biotools Innovator Accelerator. Yeah, there and, you go. That's right. Um, and and having uh, PE more uh, more focused on this sector is 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 good to me. So. Yeah. Uh, there I, I'm excited about it. It's great. That's good news. Good news. Yay. Good news, yay. Good news people. Yay. <laughs> What's number okay. four? <laughs> more. Okay. More good news. Here we go. Woo-hoo. We're just giving, handing out some good news. We got um, we got Fire One um, closing a $25 million uh, financing uh, round. And this financing round included an investment from Medtronic. So Medtronic has uh, interest in uh, Fire One's technology. Um, they've cut kind of they're they're a Dublin Ireland based company they've got this uh this uh, kind of novel heart failure monitoring system um they they shared a picture with me of uh of their system and uh you know it's kind of this implantable uh sensor um you know we'll we'll find out more about it down the road but um you know kind of I might I might be wrong but it kind of looks a lot like a very large stent that you mm. uh you know put into the uh you know, inferior uh, vena cava in the abdomen, and it's uh, and then there's a you know wearable monitor, and it, you know provides an alert when it uh, senses fluid build up. Uh, you know, so you know there uh, this is like a technology that could you know hopefully you know provide some you know early warning to uh, you know to uh, you know you know people with uh, with heart failure that the uh, condition is worsening. So to re- really need to see where this goes. Yeah, no, I mean, Fire One, as as uh, Sean wrote this, yeah, as indicated in the in the article. I mean, this was started with Cavidian and the Foundry sort of paired up in Ireland to begin developing medical device startups there. Uh, I hadn't heard about it for a while, but it's nice to see. I guess they yeah. last raised capital in 2018. Yeah, and uh, certainly, I mean, sensor technology has come a long way, so it's going to be fascinating to see where this fits into everything. Paul, are you familiar with the? I yeah, I'm I'm, I'm certainly familiar with Fire One and uh, many other companies um, that are you know similar or going after a similar solution. Um, I really like I really like Connor and yeah. and the team there, and obviously this is coming from the foundry, you know, which is just a great engine for innovation in our space, and uh, I love yeah. seeing uh, love seeing those uh, those companies not only progressing, but raising oversubscribed rounds, um, which is, uh, which is really 
terrific to see. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I'm very, very happy about that. More good news. Yay. Yay. There we go. <laughs> oh, right, oh, it keeps on coming. So let's see. It's your we're, list. What's, we're what's, not bro- naturally somber people, Tom. So That's it's right. nice to nice to have some some cheery news. Um, <laughs> you, know, you know, number three on the list, um, you know, our uh, MDO managing editor, uh, Jim Hammer. And, uh, you know, he's uh, you know, he. Lo- loves to dig into things sometimes and he you know, helped out mass device some because when he was looking around at a bunch of regulatory filings they appear to have uh you know tipped off what medtronic is thinking of calling its uh new dialysis venture that they're doing with davida i mean medtronic's kind of in the process of spinning out some some businesses um it looks like are you ready ready for what this might be called we are ready is gonna be called mozark all right i would love to hear from medtronic what what, what that means you know i i mean i i personally am picturing um some kind of mythical creature that lives in the minnesota north woods you know like instead of saying like i, I don't think a bear broke into my cabin it was a mozark but you know i but i, I i'm sure it's something a lot more cool than uh, <laughs> than that you know so well, i think um, I, like you said in your linkedin post i think it does sort of suggest mozart artistry and then arc to me kind of kind of goes up so it's got kind go of a that. rising energy to it mozart yeah 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 Paul, what do you, any thoughts on the name, Paul? Uh, I'm, <laughs> I'm not a I'm not a name and trademark guy. I call myself I call my company MedTech Innovator. Uh, <laughs> yeah, how'd you come up with that? I don't understand. What do you call people? People, <laughs> people say to me all the time. They're like, you know, you should use a, a you know a name that doesn't mean anything that you know that, that's super unique. Like like you know, why don't you call it like Zimby or something? And like, Zimby. Um, like people just, uh, not, not Zim V. Zim right, v. right. Zim v. Um, uh, no, people, I uh, you know I hear that all the time. People are like, you know, use these names that, that, you know, that are unique and kind of evoke something, but, you know, and I'm like, I just like the med tech innovator. Yeah. We know exactly what we're doing. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Mozart sounds like Mozart to me. Um, that sounds good. Um, it's not a, you know, it's not a surgical uh, navigation system, which would have to have some kind of symphonic or, you know, composer that they always seem to have, right? A lot of them have something yeah. or artist or some artist um, name. But but anyways, uh, it sounds yeah. great. I like yeah. it. Now, and as I said on your post, Chris, I'm just glad there's no missing vowels that you kind of yes. get confused by. There's no capital letters stuck in the middle randomly that they insist that you capitalize. It's capitalized and it's not all lowercase thank you very much for that as well yeah thank you medtronic yeah we don't have to have that fight so no it works for me all right chris newmarker let us roll on to the next newmarker newsmaker number number two correct number Number two two on the list um this was another uh like uh like like really good article from uh from jim what he uh you know he was you know finding here was um the, the materials are mostly down now but medtronic had a lot actually up online about um, the uh, early retirement program, early entire retirement incentives that they've been uh, offering their uh, their workers. Um, you know, they're you know they've been talking about how they're you know seeking significant expense reductions uh, before the the end of their uh, fiscal year in April, and uh, and part of this was they were engaging in this big early retirement push. It was the first one that they've done uh, since. Uh, you know, since, since, you know, 2020, um, you know, which, you know, they'd done, done this back then when they started the big reorganization, you know, we had the pandemic going on. Um, but, um, we've, unfortunately, I mean, we've had, a, 
you know, as Paul was even saying, I mean, all these companies, you know, trying just to get more efficient, um, you know, we've had, you know, this, this is all going on in Medtronic at the same time that we've seen some, you know, major layoffs at other medical device companies. I mean, unfortunately, a mass device, uh, we've reported on, you know, layoffs involving more than 19,000 medtech workers at this point and we have a whole roundup you can you know just look up on mass device that goes goes through all the layoffs we've covered um you know well we'll see what happens at medtronic um you know it's um but uh but i mean paul what, I mean, what are your thoughts on this because as you said like um i mean yeah unless uh you know unless like a pharmaceutical comes up company comes up with an immortality pill i mean i think we'll you know there'll be reason to sell uh medical devices um so that and you know we've definitely had some recession you know proof qualities to the industry in the past but i mean what what do you think's going on with um just you know in general why we're you know seeing all these you know layoffs in medtech right now well you you guys have done such a great job of covering this i love how you've been tracking for the overall industry not just for any one company but just kind yeah. of your overall your overall tracking i don't think anyone else is doing this and and i really appreciate that you guys are doing it um it's certainly um, a really hard thing to see some of these layoffs. You know, there. I, I think in general, there's some really good people getting let go, um, and who've had uh, long, who've had long careers at these companies. Um, you know, the, in some cases, there are people who were not there for very long, but there are others that we know who mm-hmm. have been in some of these companies for like their whole career uh, almost. And and maybe it was time for them to go. Maybe this was you know uh, you know exactly the right. Uh, time for them to go move on. And, you know, I, I have to say, I, you know, I, I tell my startups all the time uh, when there's things like this going on, that this is the best time to start a company um, or to be looking for staff because there's some amazing people who uh, bring so much knowledge and who would never have left their comfortable jobs um, that are now available. And, uh, and what an amazing opportunity to secure some just incredible talent. Uh, at, at probably uh, better prices than we could have a year ago. So, yeah. um, you know, if they're transitioning, they're usually transitioning with a nice package and they're able to come in and be a little more flexible and, and other things. And obviously startups are a great place to work for flexibility. So anyways, I, I, I love I love that part of this, that there's a lot of really talented people who are now going to be in the job pool. I hate that people are being laid off. Yeah, Um, That's just, you know, especially because the toughest part of it is from the people I've talked to, which is only a handful uh, across various companies, um, you know, they just didn't have any warning. That's the that's been the, that's the hardest part. You know, people are buying houses and doing things and planning for, you know, kids going to college. And and then they get a notice that they're, you know, they're being consolidated or they're losing their and they're losing their job. And yep. that's, um, you know, that's just really hard. Yeah. Um, and uh, it doesn't help that we have AI now that can do everyone's job. So uh, so there's, you know, and I'm only joking a little bit yeah. there, um, but um, but it is a very that is a real that actually is a real thing that there's a lot of jobs that I think will be eliminated because of AI. And of course, I believe there's a lot that will be improved with AI. I'm not a I'm not a, a, a naysayer. I love AI. But uh, but it's just a reality that there's a lot of I, I was just talking to uh, a friend's niece two days ago who's wants to get into the med tech industry she's you know graduating from college she's interned at places she's excited about this industry and 
And, um, and we talked all about, you know, why she might want to get into this business. And I said, but you just do need to realize that um, if we had had this conversation a year ago, I might have said, oh, it's going to be really easy for you to get a job. There's all these great companies. And, and I'm saying, hey, just be prepared. It might take you a little longer. You will land a job, but it might be a little longer. So whether you've been in a company for 20 years, or you're just starting your job search. Um, these layoffs are certainly not good. And it's not just the layoffs. Um, the other thing that we have to be aware of that's impacting all sorts of things is that like in the case of MedTech Innovator, we have these pitch events that we do in different cities as part of our road tour. And we're getting calls from some of our partners saying, Hey, we've been asked to cut our travel. Mm. Uh, And, you know, in some cases they're saying, but we're not going to cut our travel to your event because we really want to come, but we're just letting you know, um, you know, that we, maybe we can't come to everything or that, um, that, you know, we're going to send less people. Um, and in some extreme cases, people are saying, hey, we, we can't come to the event. Can you um, can you change, you know, the companies that we're going to pitch there? Can they pitch in another city? And we have to scramble and, and make that happen. Um, or we're only going to come for one day and we need to, you know, we need to move things around, which, of course, we're, you know, we're, we're able to do um, in most cases. But but the reality is that it's not just the layoffs, that budgets are getting cut all over the place. Um, and uh, let's just hope it creates a more of a window for uh, for innovation to come in from external sources and uh, people become more and more dependent, as I like, uh, as I like, because that's my business, uh, is to find all these innovations that, you know, that make great products for, for the big companies. So there's always a silver lining in there somewhere. Hey, Joe Mellings. How are you, sir? Good, Tom. How are you? Good to be good to be back on with you, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> I know. We were uh, swapping texts uh, over the weekend, and I figured, well, let's talk on Wednesday. Things will be crystal clear on Wednesday. I don't know if I actually <laughs> thought that. Uh, and I'm, uh, I don't know, it felt like three weeks ago, number one. I can't believe it's only been three days. Number two, I'm not sure how clear things are from my perspective, which is why we have you on the program. I know you're talking to, uh, talking to a lot of folks about Silicon Valley Bank in the aftermath, uh, people have the access to their money. That was the primary concern, but uh, I'm not feeling a lot of clicking of heels out there. People are really a little uncertain. How are you? Uh, how are you viewing things? And more importantly, what are you? What are you hearing from the folks you're in touch with? So you're right. I, I think on Friday it was one of those things. I don't know if you saw that Burt Reynolds, Dom DeLuise movie of. Um, Cannonball Run? No, it was the one where uh, the, the final scene was Burt Reynolds was about 400 meters out in the ocean and he couldn't swim and Dom DeLuise was whistling. The end? Was it the, the end? end? Yeah, and every time they got a little closer to the shore, you know, way out there, uh, Burt Reynolds said he'd go to church every day, he would give up his swearing, his drinking, but as he got closer and closer to the shore, the negotiations became a lot different <laughs> with the end. Um, so I, I think on Thursday... I got my first, I'll admit Uh. this, I got my first tweet from a VC at 2.12 p.m. on Thursday of uh, SVB's going under, get your money out now, right? And so we we know what transpired over the next 48 hours, and then I started to get a barrage of texts and phone calls at Sunday night. I was watching the Players' Championship. It was right at the end of it, and uh, it was the government backstopped um, SVB, which was the proper thing to do. Uh, regardless yeah. of what your opinion is of the venture community and everything else that went uh, on, independent of that, it was the right thing to do. So I think I, everybody had their primary wish um, sort of granted. They're having access to their money. 
Um, but it does a little reminiscent of the end is now they're bitching and moaning um, where, where 48 hours before, if not before. So look, this is what I'm hearing. Um, and the, and these are the questions to ask, uh, SVB, uh, was, I don't think it was an outlier situation. Hmm. Um, you know, it was, it was a convergence of, uh, a number of things. And, and again, I'm not a banking expert, so let me, let me put that out there. But this is what I do know. Um, you've got a bank who had primarily one business model that drove its behavior, right? A very, very, very high-risk environment of organizations that don't necessarily churn off revenue. They have these large sums of money sitting in the bank to make payroll, and in our world, underwrite clinical trials and underwrite development. Um, you've got eight interest, and, and the way the bank hedges against that is that is that interest rates spread. Um, so they're buying mid and long term vehicles they're locked into, um, and you've got eight interest hikes in twelve months. What did you expect to happen? And then yeah. you toss into that. I love the venture community. They are a large part of my customer set. And I also tell them they all have lemming-like behavior. What one does or what three or four do, the rest follow, right? Yeah, for so, sure. So Me too investing is a thing. That's it. At least, it's, it's, yeah. it's, 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 you can look at that in the robotic world. You can look at that in structural heart. You can look yep. at that in all of that. Is if, if you got a chip in that game, I've got a chip in that game. But the scary thing is, is the venture capitalists communicate primarily in a very viral fashion on Twitter and a very viral fashion on, I'd say, eight or 10 of the top VCs probably control 80% of the investments out there right now in the medtech community. So once they got that signal, and whether you want to put it on Peter Thiel or you want to put it on anybody else, once they got that signal, the run, the, 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 the run occurred. And it's easy to armchair quarterback that. But what I think this is going to introduce right now, Tom, is a distraction for the next 90 to 120 days with things just as simple as, look, my vice chair had millions of dollars at SVP. He got it back. And now he's spending some of his time trying to figure out how do you make these micro deposits that will be insured over um, time? And now Mm -hmm. are you going to have a whole bunch of banks, or is all that money going to go to Chase or BOA? Right. Um, and so the next 90 days is going to be playing defense because that's what we do as human beings is we harden targets against the thing that almost just killed us. And then therefore, if attention is a resource and money is a resource, um, anybody who planned on pitching to a VC over the next 90 days is going to have competition on a survival mechanism that their boards and their investors are going to mandate that they take care of. And this is not an easy thing to do. So I think that's what we're looking at. And that's what my VCs and my startup clients and partners are contending with right now. So if you're a company looking to raise money right now, you're, you're in trouble. You got some waiting to do. Well, you had waiting to do anyway. Yeah. Um, But I hope your deck has a slide, like I'm at LSI, Scott Pantel's LSI next week, and yep. I'll be at Device Talks as well coming up. I can guarantee you everybody is putting a slide in their deck now um, on fiscal prudence and fiscal responsibility and what their strategy is going to be on banking um, moving forward. So do we have a new C-level, uh, C-level position at these startups? Uh, 
Chief, well, I guess that's a CFO's job, but uh, well, that, that's yeah. a whole yeah. moving, think, moving yeah. money around a multiple account seems like a seems like another position. Well, startups most of the time don't have a full time CFO. So if I'm a CFO, I'm getting into the interim CFO business right yeah. now, and I'm forming my LLC on you know on Monday morning. <laughs> And I'm getting my um, CPA out there and I'm putting my pitch deck together for let me come in for 10 hours a month to make sure that you're backstopped and let me interact with Chase and BOA because in the past you were able to run down the path, the, well, the well-trodden path with SVB because right. you already had done dozens and dozens of deals with them. Well, now you've got new introductions, you've got new pathways to sort of pave and so I think that's going to slow things down um, in the venture community. It will not stop them. In fact, I think, and, and this is too easy to say, it'll be a healthier environment because the big banks will do a better job of safeguarding against things like this. What about, uh, I was talking with the VC, just about SVB's role in sort of driving venture lenders to be a little more competitive and a little more eager to lend to startups and and, and, and younger companies without that force there is it, do you, are you getting a sense that venture lending venture lending is going to be difficult as well yes I just don't know what degree so the answer is yes yeah. look you know I've, yeah. I've I've got a banking relationship that I put out there is it's 32 years with the same bank and 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 my ability to expedite things and have them know me, whether it's purchasing another building, equipment investment, studio growth. We just made an acquisition we closed on Friday of another search firm. Those skids being greased have an immeasurable amount of value to me as an owner and an investor. And so that juice in the game that people had through an SVB is going to be somewhat mitigated over time. Um, now, I, I still, again, I think, and, and I think it's good for the device world. I think it's yeah. good for med tech, health tech, just not right now, um, <laughs> you know, not right now. Uh, and, and in an environment that already was hostile. Yeah. And it, and it's interesting that we, we've talked, we, we've, I've been through a few of these, but they've always been sort of a larger macro crisis that, that a big storm that we're just a, a, a small spot getting hit by. This seems like a really targeted problem at the innovative innovation economy. And I know SVB is still there. Uh, it seems to be a shadow of, of itself. I don't really know the particulars of it. I don't know if someone still needs to buy it or what, but I don't know how we sort of, you can weather a larger storm, I think, but when it's something that's, that's, that's hitting you so directly, it's going to take a long time, I think, to work our way back to a place where there's a, a new bank that's doing what SVB was doing or multiple banks, hopefully doing what SVB is doing. It doesn't seem like a quick fix. Uh, no, I don't think it's a quick fix because there's going to be a, a hesitation across the board. There's relationships that have to be made. There's trust that has to be formed, you know, in a, in a business that brags about move fast and break things and fail quick. Um, I don't know if that's the prescription right. that we're all going to use any longer in the startup world. Um, look, it's 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 you nailed it. In the past, we were a secondary or tertiary impact because of the housing crisis or because right. of the dot com bust. Um, but this came as an acute event out of our ecosystem. 
that then became a contagion for other community banks um, or smaller banks um, inside that 16 that we sat with SVB. So we have not had to we have not had to deal with this before. The med tech industry, in particular, life science industry, but med tech. I'm going to stay where you and I, you know, really our hearts are, is we have never been the reason for the failure. We have had to deal with the failure, the economic failure, because of other categories or or or, or industries. We are the catalyst for this right now, um, and in some cases, candidly, I, I, I think. The current administration just delayed organizations' um, ultimate outcome because we got our money. Mm -hmm. um, and, I, and I think some of these startups were heading towards a less than optimal outcome even before this happened. But wow. I think this is going to expedite it now. Um, and you know, you always need these prunings. Look, it's terrible for our business. It's terrible for your business. Yeah. Um, but it's just managing through it right now. But I think this is the very first time MedTech have, has ever been the primary instigator of an event. Um, and so it will be interesting to see how people pony up and own it, how people take care of the ecosystem itself before themselves, um, I read a great article about SVB and my heart goes out to all the people who are at SVB and what sure. they did amazingly for 40 years. And I'm sad to see the backs turned on it as well. I mean, I've got no skin in that game, full disclosure, no money in that bank, but it certainly was an important component of why our industry is so amazing. Sure. Absolutely. All right. So to, to wrap up, Feels I feel like I'm I'm hearing CEOs of startups are looking inward and and calling programs and tightening screws and and making sure they're maximizing every dollar, and VCs are probably doing the same thing with their portfolio, giving it a harder look, seeing which ones we can live with and which ones we can live without. Is that sort of where we're at right now? Yeah, and that was happening before last Thursday afternoon, Friday, yeah. but it's especially um, sort of confirmed now, and you may see. Um, an entire mess of 10-year funds having to terminate a B or C round investment where in the past they may have um, kept it on life support for either IP or hoping something else was going to come down range. And I think you're going to see people who are willing to take a lead on an investment um, absolutely won't even be able to do that right now over the next 60 to 90 days because of the situation we went through last Thursday and Friday. Okay. And I should have raised this before. Lastly, we last time you were here, we talked about the big companies and the reductions in workforce we were anticipating there. This isn't going to help that. Um, any, any feeling as to whether this is exacerbating that problem, whether it's a just different part of the economy, it's not going to make it better or worse. I know a bunch of, a number of the med techs had, banking with SVB, but I don't know what degree, some, degree, some had venture lending from SVB, but how do you see this impacting med tech workforce and a large, larger cap sort of publicly traded 
scale? I don't see it impacting that much at all. I think that okay. that, that 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 die was cast. What I do think, though, is you're going to see an uptick in M&A activity. So I think on the strategics, they might be getting in earlier, where in the past they were waiting for clearance on the FDA and showing uptake on sales. I do think that they're putting... Um, sending some product, some products and platforms out to pasture and going to double down on the others that they know are their core competency. So mm-hmm. I, I think all in all, um, the big strategics, this doesn't hit them very hard. But with that, they termed a lot of their, or rift a lot of their, what they refer to as R&D people, creative product developments, and have sort of taken those off the balance sheet and that tells me that they're committed to now having to acquire that technology externally. And I think all in all, that is a positive outlook over the next six to 12 months that you can um, look forward to. All right. Well, it's going to be an interesting conference season with LSI coming up in, med- in Device Talks Boston in a, in a, a month or so. So uh, thanks for, uh, for the insights, Joe. Look forward to having you back, hopefully with some good news. It'd be great to talk about some good news sometime. Always, my friend. I appreciate the opportunity. <laughs> I guess I kind of want to get into what what the world looks like now, Paul. I kind of made the joke about the wall and Game of Thrones. You know, you had, I guess you didn't really appreciate, you did, what Silicon Valley, the role that Silicon Valley Bank played in in the innovation economy. You obviously did. They were at every event. They were great sponsors. We had John Norris at Device Talks Boston uh, giving his presentation. It's always a great presentation. Uh, they are, uh, they were a pillar of the, uh, med, of the innovation industry, not only med tech, they're still around, they're still trying to remain relevant, but certainly according to one VC I talked to, you know, they really kind of drove other venture lenders to lend more. They really drove other banks to be more accommodating without that force. Uh, it's going to be harder, I think to, and you know, this better than us, I think harder to run a company, harder to, to run a startup. Uh, you just won't have that help that you had previously. What does the aftermath look like? to you? Well, your analogy is a really good one of Game of Thrones and the wall coming down. That wall came down and we watched all the dragons and everybody flying (laughs) in right there at the end with the walkers. And we thought, oh my God, how can they possibly survive? Yep. Um, But they did. (laughs) So (laughs) that's a great analogy. Uh, (laughs) You're right. it uh, It is really... Uh, something that, as I said, I think everyone needs to have their eyes open and recognize that an external factor that they probably weren't worried about before was, you know, will my bank, will I be able to take the money out of the bank? Yeah. There? Not will I be able to raise money and get to my series B or, or finish my clinical study, which is, which is enough stress um, or my series C or whatever it is. Um, but will I even be able to make payroll next week with that I have five million dollars in the bank, and will I be able to, you know, access it? Is not something that most people were thinking about two weeks ago, um, or or a week ago, and now they are, and it's just a new. So, a, a we're going to see all sorts of new um, board actions at companies and and covenants that require people to have multiple banks and no more than a certain dollar amount in every bank, and you're going to see that kind of stuff. Um, it's, it's kind of ironic that like everyone is, you know, now going, Oh, quick, we have to run to a safe name, like, you know, JP Morgan, Chase or whomever, uh, Wells Fargo. Um, and you know, just when it wasn't that long ago, uh, you know, as we were kind of pointing out that those were the banks that everybody was worried about, mm-hmm. and, yeah. um, you know, along with everybody. So it's not like, 
you know, of, of course, uh, I think people should should do things that are prudent and and follow uh, a practice that does allow them to make sure their money is accessible. Right. That's that's really important. I heard people talking about some crazy things about putting their money in things that were like non banks, even. Um, I mean, certainly not cryptocurrency. That would be a terrible idea um, for you to but, take your, you know, hard-earned dollars and turn them those turn, you know, hard hard uh, raised dollars and turn those into Ethereum or or Bitcoin. I think would probably not be a wise decision. But people were considering all sorts of, you know, strategies. Other countries, other safer countries, we can transfer our money to. The Canadian dollar used to be stronger. Maybe we should go to Canada. That that's what happened in the last crisis. Canadian banks lent. So who knows um, where we're going. But uh, aside from the financial, you know, where do I put my money? The uh, the other thing is, as I think, uh, as I think I've been starting to say more often now is it's not it's not what are the ripples that are going to happen as a result. It's what are the aftershocks that may mm-hmm. happen? And we're seeing, you know, I, I got an email from one of our companies saying, don't worry, we're at First Republic Bank and they're just fine. <laughs> Um, and now we're all waking up to, oh, First Republic Bank is in the cover of the Wall Street Journal and everything else now about people trying to make sure they're safe. Um, and and there won't be the last. And uh, and so I think there's just, you know, there's a number of things. Talking on a Thursday evening and, you know, we've got, um, you know, we even like the headlines right now are saying like, you know, First Republic is, you know, you know exploring, you know, rescue options, you know, and there's, you know, like headlines about them. Um, you know, I guess their stock, Barron's is saying their stock is soaring now because some big banks are coming to the rescue, supposedly. Um, but yeah, it's kind of interesting. I mean, how special, I mean, okay, like First Republic, I mean, obviously that they're very active on the coast. I see them as kind of like more of a bank that's like for like high net worth individuals. I mean, are they, I mean, how special was Silicon Valley Bank compared to some of these other like regional community banks that you know, we have around the country that are, that are kind of in, in a bit of trouble right now? Yeah, I, I think um, Silicon Valley Bank is certainly a special bank, um, has been a special bank, and I hope will continue to be a special bank in the future. Um, the people who we know there and know very well are all still working there. They didn't call me and say, oh, well, I got a pink slip and uh, you guys hiring. Um, and I'm not saying they may not be looking. <laughs> Maybe they should be. Mm-hmm. But you know, they're not calling me and saying that. They're sending out emails saying, hey, here's uh, you know, here's what's going on. Here's a a message from our CEO. We hope you'll still continue to actively work with us. Um, so that's that's encouraging. Uh, but they are a special bank. They've uh, they've made it possible for a lot of companies to to be able to reach patients or be able to achieve that next milestone because they were able to provide that venture debt. Um, and, yeah. and you know, and by the way, venture debt also, you know, is something that, that people have to be very careful about in any environment because it does change the economics at a company. And sometimes it makes it uh, some some investors love venture debt and some hate it. Um, and we've always had like these discussions at, you know, various uh, various companies about whether or not they should raise venture debt or where they just take more equity. Um, uh, you know, there's there's yeah. there, there are issues with having venture debt, one of which. Uh, a big deal was that if you were at, you know, a Silicon Valley bank or another bank that has venture debt, and there's, there's a bunch of them, um, one of the covenants is that you have all your money there. So, yep. you know, right, there that's, you and that's a, uh, you know, okay, uh, thanks for the the loan. And now all my money is in your bank. Um, so, you know, there's just little things that I think you're going to change as a result. And that, like, that may go away. 
but uh, but they are they were a really important part of this economy, and I hope they continue to be. Um, and you know, we need banks that are willing to take risks on on innovation, on tech, um, and aren't just going to you know are use the normal uh, factors that that a lender would do. We need people who are willing to to uh, to back this industry. So yeah, um, we need them. I've heard the argument in the past that just on top of the lending and you know what they were able to provide that if that you know for especially like a startup if you find a good banking partner I mean they can they can be a a really good advisor for your for your company especially when you're trying to figure out you know how to work things financially and and raise money you know it's funny Silicon Valley Bank the day that all this was going on the first day Thursday um, was still sending messages to us just saying hey we're going to set up a meeting next week. Um, uh, with investors and wanted to see if some of your companies want to go to that. You know, they do that kind of stuff all the time where, you know, it wasn't just lending money to uh, companies and giving them bank accounts and whatever else they're doing to manage their their money. That You know, Silicon Valley Bank would convene investors every year um, at various dinners and various functions and, and just bring their clients who were trying to raise capital to meet a whole bunch of investors that weren't aware of them. Uh, and, you know, so they, they served a function, as you said, Chris, that that transcended banking um, and just the banking relationship. They were they are yeah. and, and were a major actor in, in helping to make sure that these companies get financed and that, you know, you could you could call, as you said, John Norris or some of the other people over at, at, at SVB and and say, hey, you know, I'm looking for a, a good board member. And they go, oh, you have you talked to so and so? They're really great. And I think they might be looking for they just plugged in in a way that, um, you know, your Wells Fargo will not be. Right. And no offense to Wells Fargo. I'm saying they just aren't in that, you know, don't have that right. that finger on the pulse. They're not sitting in those discussions at board meetings and things that SVB might be or observing. Um, so anyways, I, I think they, I think they are very special and and I hope that they, that they in, in some new iteration do survive. I hope um, so that something like if they, even if they don't continue that something, you know, comes up that like kind of fills that what looks like it's kind of like a void that could be created. Um, I, I would add to probably people, in, in your space, Paul, or I, I suspect they're probably very grateful about how the FDIC did their job around this and, and the Fed, um, just because, I mean, it could have been weeks, you know, but they, you know, there was a recognition that this wasn't just, you know, just any, any old, you know, community bank, mid-sized regional bank. I mean, boy, I just, I just have a feeling just looking at how it all went down, that it could have been a lot worse. Could have been, it could have been a lot worse. There's no question. There were some very smart people saying, expect to only have access to half of your capital next week. And that's not what happened. So I'm really glad that didn't happen. Um, uh, I think it could have been a lot worse. But as I said, if you think it's over, you're fooling yourself. Um, yeah. There will be aftershocks of various things coming up. Um, and you know, yeah. whether, it's, whether it's investors who as I said, who maybe we're going to invest in a company and we're now backing out or whether it's a fund that won't, you know, have their close because somebody says, oh, maybe I don't want to do, you know, any tech investing, not just med tech. I'm just going to go somewhere else now. Whatever it is, um, anything that shakes confidence is not good. And um, and that's that's just the reality. And we need to all be very have our eyes wide open that it is not business as usual. Things are cautious now. There's more. There's just more of a feeling of caution and less, uh, less, uh, less, less willing to take risks. Yeah, it's just uncertainty is not good. And you know, it's just like 
you know, years ago, this is all completely changed, but years ago, we all know that FDA, um, you know, had, you know, not great communication and other things that have been radically improved now. Um, and, uh, but at the time, though, that uncertainty, will FDA change my, my clinical trial requirements right. after I finish it? Um, you know, that which, you know, I think people are less worried about now. Um, but back then, that uncertainty, fro- you know, scared people away from investing in med tech. Um, and, you know, anything. So, you know, and they've, as I said, FDA has largely uh, fixed that and actually and has a whole new program called TAP that's designed to, to really fix that. Um, but the point is that anything that is uh, that adds risk or adds uncertainty is not good for any of us. And so, uh, you know, it's something we didn't need. Uh, you know, as you said, uh, you use your other analogy about the wall coming down. As I said, everyone survived. Uh, not everybody, but, but a lot of people. A lot of people. Lost a lot of characters, <laughs> Paul. A lot of characters didn't make it. <laughs> not Daenerys Targaryen, though. Daenerys. She didn't survive. I, I didn't see that coming. I thought she was going to be on the throne. But, um, uh, but, but anyways, mostly a lot of people survived. After she burned the entire uh, city. Back back. She deserved it at the end. Didn't make but, any but, sense. Anyway, what happened? No. I know. But, but, All but, right. Yeah, but, We're going way out the rails here. When it comes to our business, um, I, I do believe that uh, the standard, you know, uh, line of what doesn't kill us make us stronger is uh, makes us stronger is real, and um, we will have. Uh, there will be many, many silver linings that come from what today, um, you know, certainly is not. It looks a little bleak between you know what's happening in the banking industry, what's happening with layoffs broadly in tech, including med tech. I, I think uh, I think there will be plenty of great people sitting around the table years from now going, oh, I'm so glad that happened because that's how I, I we met our co-founder. And that's yep. that's why we were able to, you know, uh, acquire that really interesting company. And now that person's running our division and whatever, there'll be a lot of those kinds of conversations. So I'm looking forward to those. All right. Well, it's a great way to end the episode. Uh, Chris Newmarker, now's the time when we're going to uh, tell folks how to find us on. So actually, you know, Paul, Paul Grant, you're our our guest, where can folks find out oh. more information on Med about MedTech Innovator and connect with you on social media? I thought you were going to ask me for your your call. I was going to give all of your social media handles. <laughs> you're, you're welcome <laughs> to try. But I'll, I'll I'll start with me. So no, Paul, uh, it's very easy to find me. I'm Paul at MedTechInnovator.org. Uh, you can find us at MedTechInnovator.org on the web, uh, on LinkedIn. I'm easy to find. Same thing, Paul Grand. Just search for Paul Grant and MedTech Innovator. You'll find me um, on Twitter, which I don't use nearly as much anymore. I'm Life Science VC. And of course, you'll be at Device Talks Boston on May 10th and 11th with uh, some of your MedTech Innovator uh, graduates. I can't wait. That is going to be such a great conference. It was fantastic last year. And we're so excited to be able to bring 20 of our graduates who are executing executing incredibly well and who are fundraising. And we're going to have one of our our first of a series of investor events to feature those at Device Talks. And we're really excited about that. Hope you'll hope you'll come to the conference. You will not be disappointed uh, in either the conference, which is fantastic, or our companies. Fantastic. And Chris Newmarker, where can folks find you? Hey, you can find me on LinkedIn, Chris Newmarker, just like a new marker. Also on Twitter, at Newmarker, but I, I'm definitely uh, more on LinkedIn. Like LinkedIn is the place, I think. Absolutely. At least I'll for be, now. I'm on LinkedIn, Tom Salemi, S-A-L-E-M-I. I am on Twitter occasionally at MedTechTom. 
And uh, Chris Newmarker, say it. You got to like, follow, subscribe. That's right. You got to like, follow, and or subscribe to the Device Talks Podcast Network. You'll get every week Device Talks Weekly. And you'll also receive Striker Talks, Intuitive Talks, Boston Scientific Talks launches on March 29th. And we'll be rolling out our newest podcast. It's already sold out, Abbott Talks, which is happening in June. So um, lots of talks, lots of med tech content coming your way. Subscribe to Device Talks Podcast Network. And while you're subscribing on Google, Apple, Spotify, whatever, we're on all of them. Uh, make sure you subscribe to Medtronic Talks as well. So you can receive those episodes. We'll be rolling out a new season of Medtronic Talks starting most likely in April. So uh, lots of uh, lots of great audio med tech content coming your way. So and of course, we mentioned Device Talks Boston. Join us May 10th and 11th. You can register at devicetalks.com. Uh, it's going to be a great two days. The agenda just keeps growing and growing. And uh, I'm really looking forward to it. So I'm really looking forward to uh, to getting together. And uh, we'll, we'll have had a little time, I think, between now and then sort of assessing the situation. And uh, I'm sure we'll uh, we'll see some more positives uh, in early May and mid-May. So uh, join us there at Device Talks Boston. So, Paul, thanks for uh, for joining us on the podcast. Thanks for having me, as always. Um, I, I would like, follow, and subscribe, but I'm already doing all of those. So, um, <laughs> so I'll, I'll just tell fantastic. other people to do it. Uh, it is, it's fantastic to be here. I love this podcast. I drove home from San Diego yesterday and listened to I think two different episodes of device talks. So That's thank awesome. you for doing what you guys do. Ooh, thank you. Hey everybody. You gotta be cool. Like Paul, like follow, <laughs> subscribe. There we go. <laughs> right. We'll take care everybody. No more winter is coming. Like springs on the way. <laughs> well said. <laughs>